Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Erin Summers. It was a roller coaster of emotion Sunday, but the Saints are officially 1-0 to start the season. Saints legend Lance Moore will join me shortly to talk about the game. But first, let's review how it all went down and hear from the team. Saints were down 26-10. Yes, 26-10. We're never going to forget that number. In the fourth quarter, Jameis Winston led a 17-point charge, finding wide receiver Michael Thomas for back-to-back touchdown drives. The Saints' defense held the Falcons scoreless, and special teams delivered in the end. Will Lutz hit a 51-yard field goal with 23 seconds to go. And Peyton Turner, he stepped up to block the Falcons' field goal attempt on the last play of the game. It was an incredible 11 minutes of action for a 27-26 win. Here's head coach Dennis Allen after the game. It wasn't perfect. There's a ton of things that we got to get cleaned up. I told them all in there, look, enjoy the win, but have tough skin tomorrow. Um, Because we're not going to win a lot of games playing the way that we did today. We're going to have to play a lot better um, if we expect to be the type of team that we think we can be. And so, um, but I'm proud of the way that they fought. They competed all the way to the end. Got a little something going when we got into a little bit more of a two-minute type of mode uh, with the offense and got a little rhythm going. So, um, <clears throat> so look, I'm happy that we won the game. Um, a lot of things that we got to cl- get cleaned up, and uh, we'll get back to work tomorrow and see if we can't get them cleaned up. Defensively, the Saints delivered when they needed to. In the third quarter, when the Falcons were threatening, safety Marcus May knocked the ball loose at the New Orleans 5. Safety Tyron Matthew recovered to keep the Falcons from extending their lead. From that moment on, the Falcons only scored a field goal and were held scoreless for the last 12 and a half minutes of play. Linebacker Pete Werner, the unsung hero, with a team leading 13 tackles, 11 solo, one for a loss, and a forced fumble. I, that was nice. I was I had a pretty tough matchup there. 17. He's a uh, he's quick guy, fast guy. Um, I just had the right angle, made a good punch, and uh, it was good to create a turnover. The Saints' offense struggled to find its rhythm through the first three quarters of play. At the half, the team had just 104 total yards of offense, negative two through the air, thanks to three sacks. Winston, however, said his heart rate never went up, he felt calm the entire game, and he absolutely took control in the fourth, going 16 of 19 for 213 yards and two touchdowns for a perfect passer rating. I was like, man, this is going to be our first time together. We got to get things going. And then as you see, as the game started going away, like we started getting on the same page and we start, like, and it's, it's the communication. Like, it's the communication on the sidelines, communication throughout the week. Uh, and I'm just so happy that we start, we, as offense, we all start to click at the right time. Wide receiver Michael Thomas had five receptions for 57 yards and those two fourth quarter touchdowns out there looking like his old self. When we came out of halftime, we knew we were getting the ball back. Um, we knew we had, we, we were completely honest with ourselves. We knew we had, uh, we were leaving our defense out there on the field too long, um, you know, too many three and outs. And uh, we took accountability and uh, everyone, we looked each other in the eyes and we knew what time it was. Our team needed us and we needed to respond. And we need to find a way to win this game, and that's what we did, and that's where the effort came from. The big thing was just coming out there, executing, and winning the game. And then also, uh, congratulations to DA for his 
first win as a Saints coach, that's amazing. Um, that was that was a big deal for me too, just to get him started off on the right foot and uh, you know get this thing rolling. First and goal for the Saints. Snap to Winston, throws to the end zone, and that is going to be a touchdown. Left side. Welcome back, number 13, Mike Thomas. His first touchdown since 2019. A three-yarder, but it was a biggie. Back shoulder fade to Mike T, and that, that ball had some hot sauce on it, baby. That, that one was hot. It's great to have Thomas back in the wide receiver room, not to mention the additions of Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, who also had big moments in Sunday's game. For more on the roller coaster that it was, here's my conversation with Lance Moore. Lance, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I saw you there in Atlanta. You had a front row seat for all of the action. Have, you, have we calmed down? How are you feeling right now? <laughs> well, I'm feeling a lot better <laughs> with the, the result being the way that it was, then I was thinking I was going to be for a long time during that game. Yep. Um, you know, early on it's, it's, it's emotional because it's week one and obviously the, the division rival and the Falcons and you just want to win. Like it doesn't really matter how you win, but the emotion, the, the roller coaster that you're on the up and down in a game like that, I think my heart could do without it, <laughs> but uh you know, to, to, to come out with a win like that is is awesome. And I think it's going to bode well for us going forward. Let's talk about this roller coaster. When the game started, I felt confident. I've seen them in camp. I've seen them, who they can be, have been defensively, offensively. Jameis Winston looks ready to go. Michael Thomas looks great. I did not expect that game to start the way that it did. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, man, did, you know, I just overconfident, you know, maybe the team isn't going to be as good as I thought they were, or was it, is Atlanta way better than they, we thought they were going to be because the Atlanta defense came out, looked great, much, much improved. And the, their offense with Mariota was pretty dynamic. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. And it's, it's week one. Right. So you don't really know what you're going to be getting from teams like the preseason, especially nowadays, is not really a true indicator of how good or bad a team is, because a lot of times starters aren't playing or or a number of guys, even even not even starters, like some guys just don't take reps. And the teams are offensively and defensively are very vanilla in the preseason anyway. So they're not trying to give away too much of what they're going to be doing especially against, you know, a divisional opponent. I mean, it's it's tough as it is when you're so familiar with one another personnel-wise, um, and then, you know, you return the bulk of the same players and the coaching staff is back, and um, it's hard to game plan, and it's really hard to know what you're game planning for because you really truly don't know what you're going to get. And DA said it last night that, you know, Marcus Mariota presents some challenges for you because of how athletic he is. Mm -hmm. It's not just a situation where this guy's going to hand the ball off on run plays and stand in the pocket on pass plays. He's, he's a totally different quarterback than what we've seen with Matt Ryan with the Falcons for the last 15 years. Right. Um, and he was, he was able to have some success both running and throwing. And it's, it's tough on a defense when you have a guy that's a, a true dual threat back there. And, um, I just I, I think that, you know, it, it, it you're not really going to be able to shut it down totally. Um, it's just it's just too hard. But the fact that we were able to get some turnovers and in a couple of key possessions, um, 
make them kick field goals instead of, you know, scoring touchdowns. I mean, that that was huge for for us to be able to have a chance at coming back in that game. Yeah, you mentioned Mariota, but then you have Cordell Patterson, Patterson and his abilities. I mean, he was just a bulldozer I, I, multiple times, just pushing people out of the way. It didn't really look like things were going to change. Um, what kind of adjustments <laughs> did you see at halftime? It, it kind of still took a little bit of time after you know, halftime for the Saints to really write the full ship. But what kind of adjustments did you see that they were making? Well, I mean, it was it was really three quarters. I mean, because mm-hmm. the, the offense obviously didn't truly get going until the fourth quarter. But defensively, it, it was just okay. We need to get stops, you know. And 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 if the stops mean make them kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, and then so be it. And and you know that was what we were able to do. But offensively, um, I think the fact that it it was they got to the point where we were able to give Jameis a little bit better protection. Um, and we were in a, a no huddle two minute style offense where you're not thinking or overthinking too much what you're going to be able to do. And, you know, we obviously know that the talent that Jameis is and when he has time, what he's able to do with his arm. So, um, you know, it was, it was obviously great timing, perfect timing, I guess you could call it. Mm. Um, and, you know, thankfully everybody was kind of, able to get on the same page and I think that's one thing that we forget about a little bit too is is Jameis missed most of last season Mm -hmm. Michael Michael Thomas missed all of last season Jarvis Landry is new to the Saints Chris Olave is new to the Saints so this group offensively is totally brand new skill wise and it's going to take a little bit of time It, it it's not as easy as hey we've all been practicing together let's roll the ball out on game day and expect to be throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns um, it took a little while, but I think what happened in that fourth quarter, um, I believe he threw for 213 yards and two touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter. Um, that's something that you can build on. And, and obviously the guys are going to have a lot of confidence playing at home this week against Tampa Bay. That was something that I mentioned too. It's not only that they had Jameis Winston, um, Michael Thomas, Olave, Jarvis Landry hadn't been here together last year. They didn't spend a lot of time together in training camp either because Winston was out for two weeks with the right foot sprain. And then it was Thomas who was out with the hamstring, not to mention those guys, but then your offensive line with James Hurst was hurt for the last few weeks as well. So he didn't get a lot of reps on the O line and he's kind of stepping into a new starting role this year at a new position, hopefully for the entire season, instead of jumping around multiple positions right. over, over last year, like he did. So yeah, the chemistry, it took a little while for everybody to get on the same page. Was it just that, or was Winston taken too long to get the ball out or was the O-line not giving enough, him enough time? I mean, I think it's a combination of all three of those things. I mean, there could be a little rust there. The fact that he was under duress a lot of the first three quarters, um, and, you know, he, I, I can understand, like, once you start getting hit back there from the quarterback position, you get, you could potentially get a little uh, uneasy. I'm not going to say rattled because, because he's played enough ball that it, he probably mentally was fine. Um, but, you know, you, you start physically, you start to feel, oh, man, I'm, I'm a little bit hurried and I'm not really ready to throw this ball. And then you take a sack because you're nervous about turning the ball over or trying mm-hmm. to fit a ball into a window that maybe isn't there or is going to close a lot faster than you think. Um, but I, I think one of the most important things is, is you know, his decision-making. Um, he did not force the ball into one of those spots that put us into 
um, you know, a pick situation or, or even worse, a defensive touchdown against this. Um, sometimes it's okay to, to take a sack. You don't want to, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's okay because you live, you live to play another down or, or you live to punt the football. And that, that's sometimes a, a, a punt on fourth down is the best scenario for you. It was really good to see him kind of find his rhythm there in the fourth quarter. You mentioned it, two 13 yards, two touchdowns. He has 16 of 19. He had a perfect quarterback passing passer rating, which is great. I mean, that's what you want to see from your quarterback. So the, the capabilities there, the chemistry with Michael Thomas, him actually being back looking like he did in 2019 in that fourth quarter. But Jarvis Landry, to me, really stood out. And he talked about how difficult of a playbook this was to grasp and how long it was taking, how intricate it was. But that one play, he got a 40-yard pass to set up the game-winning field goal. I mean, he may had a lot of good plays and good moments in this game. What did you think about how he looked last night or yesterday? You know, I, I, I think he looked amazing. I mean, and that 40-yard play, that's the biggest offensive play to me in, in the entire game. Because yeah. Just, talking about the time and the moment and, and what we needed to be able to try to get into field goal position. Um, and obviously the penalty after that was something that I didn't know, you know, could even happen. I, I, but then when you think about it, obviously if the clock is stopped and you're throwing the ball in the dirt, there's no receiver there. So it's right. intentional grounding. Um, yeah. But I mean, that play was incredible, but that, that that's what you expect from a guy like, like a Jarvis Landry. That's, you know, I think he's a five-time Pro Bowl player, a guy that's played um, great and everywhere he's been without, and I would say probably not having the greatest of quarterbacks throwing to him. So um, the fact that he's got a guy that can put it anywhere, um, you know, I think I think he's going to be uh, a super important part of this offense and somebody that we're going to see a ton of those big plays from. We saw some good stuff from Chris Olave as well. Every time he was targeted, he he made the play and the two-point conversion. He said it was something that they saw him do at Ohio State and they brought it over here. How crazy is that, that they are like, oh, we saw you do this in college. Let's implement that into our game plan now. I mean, how often does that well, happen? I don't, think, I don't think it's that crazy because you, as a coach, you want to let your players do what they do great, right? Because then it takes the thinking out of football if you have – plays that that guys have never done before it could take time for them to to be able to run them the right way but if you if it's a a a play or a route or something specific that that you've seen that player do time and time again it's easy for him to just go out there and make that play again even though it was such a you know big time situation um you know that that was just repetition for him just go out there and make the play It's kind of funny to think about it, but the Saints were first in rushing yards per attempt. I want to say mostly because Taysom Hill broke one for 57 yards. How about his play? And when the Saints needed it, he stepped in, took a direct snap and provided a little bit of an offensive spark. Yeah, we needed it in the worst way. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's, it's funny because people will see him line up back there and you kind of know what's going to, what's coming. And they still can't stop it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, but that's that's what Taysom has been, you know, normally in this in this offense. Obviously, last year was a different situation um, when he was having to play quarterback permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to to have him as a weapon, especially on those short down or short yardage situations, third and fourth and shorts, when you need one or two yards, and you can just put him in there, and you know that it's you know ninety percent plus 
that he's going to get that first down or a big play like that. I mean, it's it's an amazing weapon to have. Definitely. Talking about the defense now, definitely some things to clean up. Um, looking at all of the, the NFL games that happened, um, the Saints' total defense was ranked 26th out of all of the teams after the first week, which is not a normal place for the Saints to be sitting defensively in the league. Um, 27th against the rush also unheard of for the saints. What do they need to do differently to be successful? I know Tampa Bay is a different team. Tom Brady is going to be different than Mariota, but what do they need to be doing differently to be more successful on this upcoming Sunday? It will stop the run. But, but like I said before, if you've got a quarterback that can run that, that is going to give you some trouble Mm -hmm. or some difficulty as long as he's a, a really good decision maker. And, and Mariota, I mean, he made great decisions with the football all day yesterday. Um, so it, it is tough to defend basically two running backs back there. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a different challenge uh, with Tampa Bay. That's more of we're going to come downhill at you with this big 240 pound running back in Leonard Fournette. Um, but, Honestly, obviously, I'm I'm always been an offensive guy, and I could really care less um, what the defensive numbers look like as long as we're winning. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll feel differently, and they'll have a little more pride about it. And and I'm sure they're not going to have another 200 yard rushing game against them anytime soon. Um, but if if we had to sacrifice, you know, something in this game to give up that win, I'm not doing it. Like I. I, well, I'll take a 26 ranked defense with to be one and zero in 16 more games to write that ship. It's kind of a weird place to be sitting. There are a lot of things that need to be corrected. Penalties, you know, how long it took for the Saints to actually get going, but you come out with a win. How good should the team feel right now, knowing how yesterday went? I think they should feel great, <laughs> um, but they sh- they should be very open and honest with themselves. Um, and each other about the performance um, and specifically the, the offense. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you, you can't start as slow as they did against the good and great teams. You'll get killed. You'll get run right out of that building. Um, and, and it's, um, it's got to change quick <laughs> because it's, it's not like we have a slouch coming in this weekend in Tampa Bay. Um, but, but the fact that we were able to, to battle and figure out a way to win this game, regardless of how ugly it was early and how ugly it almost could have been there at the very end of the game. Um, you know, it shows the the type of character and the grit and, and um, you know, the, the, you know, the way that these guys are going to battle, no matter what is going on with that scoreboard and the time on the clock and, you know, just truly, truly playing to the last whistle. Um, you know, it's definitely something to build on and something that this team has shown early that, um, a lot of times you don't get a chance to show this early on in the season. Mm-hmm. The last question before I let you go, how much more petty can the saints get here? I mean, the <laughs> score like in the Falcons too. the scoreboard to say in visitors. I mean, when is that going to end? Now we got the 10 <laughs> thing to go. Like it, it's been wild. They're making cakes here in new Orleans with the score 26, 10, uh, I believe 11, it. 12 to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's wild. I love it. Well, I, I don't think it's ever going to end um, <laughs> as long as these two teams are in the same div- division, which I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, and it goes even beyond that. Like right before the game, they dropped a, a banner, like a, a video digital banner 
that said something on the top, like a, uh, an Atlanta saying or something, and then on the bottom it said "weed dad." Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, "Huh, weed dad?" Like, no, that's 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 not you. Um, and then and then Demario uh, walking into the press conference the with the Falcons flag over his shoulder. I mean, that's that's kind of what you get in a, in a division rivalry like this: that the teams and the cities and the fans, and you just don't, genuinely don't like each other. Um, and we compete, and um, you know, thankfully for us, we were able to come out with the win. Definitely, thankfully for us. It was a fun way, crazy way to start the season. I appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you for having me anytime. Thanks to Lance for joining me on the podcast. If any of y'all get one of those cakes with the score on it, please, please tweet me a picture at Aaron E. Summers. Coming up on Wednesday's podcast, we'll start to look ahead to the next game, our home opener against Tampa Bay. And we have a special guest from Caesars for Friday's episode. Thanks for listening today. Enjoy that week one win. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.